Well, hello, everyone. Hope your Wednesday is off to a great start or is ending well, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. This is TGC Midweek. My name is Jacob, and with me at the kitchen table is Michael Novak. Michael, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, and I just want to say thank you because I know it's a big sacrifice for you to be here right now because the Blues <laughs> and the Stars are playing Game 7. Yep, Game 7 may or may not be on my phone within eyesight. Yeah, and I came from St. Louis, so I'm a Blues fan. Oh, what about dude, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Stars fan. I've okay. been a Stars fan for a long well, time. I thought you'd be a, a Nashville Predators fan. Uh, you know, that was, be, that was, at, they came to Nashville after we had left Tennessee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if I seem distracted, you can blame, <laughs> you can blame my, uh, my rivalry it's with game Michael seven. At, at the table yep. here. So yeah, it's been a good series. Those are hockey teams, by the way, for yes. those without any context. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, hockey is a sport played on ice. Yes. Anyway, I digress. Um, so we're going to talk about evangelism today. Great. Yeah, so we started a new sermon series at church on Sunday mornings on the book of Jonah. One of the major themes in Jonah is this idea of evangelism. God mm-hmm. calls Jonah to go to to go to Nineveh and and to basically um teach the Ninevites about God, basically to evangelize to them. Yep. So that kind of just tees up a nice question there with what is evangelism? Let's define this thing. Yeah, I mean evangelism, uh there's a few different ways we could talk about it. Uh, the word evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelia, um, and it's two words basically put together. Eu is good, true, um, uh, and then angelia is news or message. And so literally it's the good, the true message or news. Mm. Um, and so anytime you see the word gospel in your English Bible, uh, that is the Greek word euangelia being translated into English with the word gospel. Gotcha. And so you could technically say that evangelism is gospeling people. It's telling or sharing with folks the good or the true news or message. And with that in mind, I think there's a few important things to keep in mind when we think about how we define evangelism. Three specifically. First is that evangelism is news about something that happened in real time and real space. Mm. Um, the euangelia or the gospel in the first century Greco-Roman world uh, was actually something that the culture at large, it was a word that the culture at large used uh, to proclaim the fact that maybe a new king had ascended to the throne, or it was a word they used to proclaim victory in a major war. It was a word that was used very readily in that culture, and the disciples basically came along and stole it. Gotcha. And they imported tons of spiritual significance and meaning into a popular word, Mm. and they applied it to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, the new king who has ascended a throne, who has um, defeated Satan and sin and death. And so uh, anytime we see that word and think about it, we got to think about the fact that we're proclaiming uh, the ascension of a king, mm-hmm. uh, something that actually happened in real time and real space. Um, and and that can free us up some as yeah. we think about it in that way. Because it's almost like when you see breaking news in front of a headline or if you're watching news on TV and it'll say breaking news. It's yes. kind of that whole it's kind of the prelude to what's to what's coming. That's right. Yeah. Um and you can point back to to what's happened and it means that uh primarily the gospel and when we evangelize it's not about giving people advice right. primarily. Yeah. 
Um, it's about relating to them what's happened and how that can affect them in their lives uh, today. Um, and so uh, that's a good way to just you know, start off talking about mm-hmm. and thinking about evangelism, the fact that we're talking about something that happened in real time and real space. And I think you touched on it too. This can be a really freeing thing, a really freeing way that to think about evangelism because you're just sharing a story that actually you're sharing a fact pattern mm-hmm. that happened yep. and you're not necessarily trying to, trying to like dispense this, this terrific argument that's so um, eloquent, that's going to convince people you're really just telling a story. It kind of takes some of the pressure off you. Sure, it does. I mean, it takes pressure off because you're simply the messenger, mm-hmm. and you're bringing a message. And uh, you've heard the phrase, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. Um, I guess in the, the history of the church, many messengers have been shot, so to speak. Um, but you're simply conveying a message that you really have not much to do with uh, in terms of how how it came about and and what actually happened. Uh, obviously, hopefully, it's affected our life in profound ways, um, but we're simply sharing news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what exactly is that news? What should we be sharing? Well, I like to think of it in terms of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you can do it in a few different ways, but I gravitate towards story. You could do it with propositions. Um, you could talk about who God is, who we are, our deep need and what sin has done to us how God has come to reconcile uh, this world uh, to himself and to take care of our sin problem. Um, And you could do it very propositionally that way. Um, I think what resonates with folks more nowadays is sharing a story. Okay, And that's really what the Bible is. It's a story of Mm -hmm. God's actions in this world. And it's a story, like any good story, that has um, a beginning. Uh, It's got a conflict. Um, it's got a resolution. Um, it's got a hero. Um, and I think that folks really gravitate towards the idea that they are currently living in that story um, that God is a part of and that he's even writing now. And when I think of that story, I think of it in four parts. Likely many of you have heard this, but the parts are creation. Mm-hmm. God created all things very good. He created us to relate with one another and with him in perfect harmony to flourish um, and to uh, take great joy in those relationships. Something happened in Genesis 3, what we call the fall. It didn't take more than two pages of our Bible Mm -hmm. uh, to happen where Adam and Eve decided they wanted to be God, that they knew better than God, and uh, basically disobeyed him and have passed on that sin disease through generations. Uh, Everybody's touched by sin and brokenness. Um, and from Genesis chapter four, all the way to revelation chapter 20, you basically have a story of redemption or restoration. We've broken things and God is so loving and passionate about us and relationship with us that he wants to fix what we've broken Mm -hmm. because we can't do it ourselves. And so that culminates in the gospels with the person and work of Jesus, his life, death and resurrection. And basically the rest of the new Testament is applying that message of Christ's mm-hmm. life, death, mm-hmm. and resurrection to the church, to his people. How does this apply to how we live? How does this speak into our everyday lives? And then we look forward to the day, uh, which we call restoration or consummation, pictured for us in Revelation 21 and 22, where God will make all things new. And he finishes his story um, where literally we live happily ever after. Yeah. So we've talked about what evangelism is. And I think you touched on this next point a little bit. Let's talk about what evangelism is not. So it's not just 
giving someone advice or um, just correcting people that you don't know very well. So what, what are some things that evangelism is not things to avoid? Yeah, that, that, that's a difficult question because I think we, when you think about evangelism, you also have to think about your personality mm-hmm. and your giftings. And so evangelism can take on lots of different flavors or different looks. And so I, I wouldn't readily say that passing someone a tract is not evangelism. Okay. Um, that would not be my preferred method of evangelism if I were given a choice and how to do things. Uh, I think of uh, my time in college at the University of Tennessee, and it was a public university, and oftentimes there would be street preachers on the corners, and literally they would be holding up signs that were uh, pretty derogatory towards certain groups of people. Mm -hmm. Now, they thought they were doing evangelism, and who knows how God might even use the most crooked of sticks in order to strike a straight blow. Mm. You even hear Paul in Philippians talking about as long as Christ is proclaimed and that I rejoice. But I can't help but think that that is doing more harm than it's doing good. Sure. And so um, I tend to lean more towards uh, what I'd call relational evangelism. Um, and it's uh, the idea of simply getting to know folks, um, hearing their stories, asking good questions, uh, taking opportunities as they arise to speak of the hope that we have in our own lives and that we've come to believe. Um, and it's a little bit more low key. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much I'm doing evangelism now and then I can turn it off when I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset of all of life uh, and all relationships offer an opportunity for me to speak about what's most important to, to, to me in my life. Sure. So, so why should we care about this at all? And I know that sounds sacrilegious, but I have a point. Sure. <laughs> so, That's a great question. Um, yeah. So why should we, why should sharing the gospel be important to us? Especially when, um, and, you know, in the reform context, we talk about, you know, God has elected those who will be saved. Mm-hmm. And, um, so if, if God is sovereign in salvation, and in each person's salvation, why do I need to care about sharing the gospel to coworkers, neighbors, and friends? Yeah. A few different angles that I think we can talk about that mm-hmm. from. The first uh, of which is if we don't believe that this world is broken, if we don't believe that our friends and our neighbors are in dire need, then I don't really see much reason or why there would be much urgency for us to mm-hmm. share the gospel. But if we do believe that sin has had a profound impact on people, if we do believe that sin has ravaged this world and our relationship with God, and if we do believe that God has made things right through the person and work of Jesus, then we've got good news to share. Mm-hmm. And if we don't share it, um, then we're not doing right. Um Basically, we're allowing folks to languish uh, and flounder in their sin uh, while we've got the pearl of great price, um, while we've got news that could change their life and bring them freedom and joy and life. And uh, I think there's just an aspect of it. We talked about it on Sunday uh, where we talked about um, Penn Jillette uh, Mm -hmm. talking Mm -hmm. about the fact— um, that when he had somebody evangelize to him, even though he doesn't believe in Jesus, 
He doesn't respect those who don't evangelize or proselytize because he says, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that the offer of eternal life is on the table and not tell them that? Sure. And I didn't use that story, hopefully, to shame anybody, uh, but hopefully it was an encouragement um, to all of us that we've got the best news that anyone could hear. Uh, And so why wouldn't we want to share it uh, as appropriate uh, and when the opportunity arises with our friends and neighbors? Um, And so we do it because we've got good news. Today is a day of good news. And if we don't share it, we're not doing right. Um, But your second question, a little more theological, what do we do with the sovereignty of God and human responsibility Mm -hmm. in evangelism? And there's a few thoughts I have on that. Um, We do believe God is completely sovereign. In our tradition, the Reformed Presbyterian tradition, we even believe that God predestines uh, men and women to salvation. Um, And so you could um, ask, why evangelize if God's already got it all buckled up? Yeah, certainly God doesn't depend on my ability to share the gospel to save someone. Yes. Um, And and here's uh, where I think about the fact that God always uses means to accomplish his ends. And he has uh, elected some to salvation. They're in our midst, Mm -hmm. uh, in our city, in our neighborhood, at our workplaces, we don't know who they are, uh, and God has seen fit to use us to reach the people that he wants to reach with the good news of salvation. And so our job is simply to proclaim, uh, to share this good news, and it, it gives us a lot of freedom and hope as we do that, knowing that there are folks um, that that God has placed in our midst that might very well be elected to eternal life. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so um, it gives us a lot of uh, confidence in what we're doing, that we're going to experience success. Uh, me and you were talking a little bit beforehand uh, about the passage uh, from Acts chapter 18, where Paul's in Corinth, and it says uh, in, um, in verse 8 of chapter 18, says, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And it's a, it's a verse that stands out. God is encouraging Paul to continue evangelizing because there's many in his midst mm-hmm. in the city of Corinth that God has set apart uh, to eventually believe the message that Paul is preaching. Yeah. Uh, and you got to think that would have been not, not, de- not dejecting to Paul. It wouldn't have uh, had him throw up his arms and say, well, if you've got it, God, I guess I don't have to do anything. If anything, it would have motivated him more Mm-hmm. Uh, to share the gospel um, and see how God might provide fruit in a response yeah. to that message he shares. So here, there, here's one way that I like to look at it, and it's it's way less theologically complex, um, but it comes from a smart guy. Uh, R.C. Sproul was a theologian. He died a couple of years ago, but he was pretty influential in my own uh-huh. theological development. He addresses this question, and he he recounts this story of when he was in seminary and his professor asked he and his classmates, the same question. If God predestines those who are saved to salvation, then why, why evangelize at all? And everyone kind of goes around the circle and, and has very clever and seminarian ways to say, I don't know, basically. Yep. And it gets to him and he, he, the way that he tells the story, he kind of looks around sheepishly and is like, well, one, uh, I, one reason is probably not the one you're looking for, but, uh, 
Jesus commands us to yeah. evangelize in the Great Commission. And the professor kind of, that's his teaching moment, you know, and it alludes to the the group of seminarians, like one small reason mm-hmm. why you might want to evangelize is because your God commands you yeah. to. So maybe it's a little bit more of a blunt answer, but sure. there's a very clear command that this is what we're supposed to do. Yep. Yep. So. That, that always is the case with a command. You can always fall back on that. Jesus told us to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's all the thoughts that I have on these topics. Is there anything more that you want to add here? Yeah. You know, there's a few things that uh, I think I'd like to add, and we're going to talk about this more next week yep. and maybe even the week after. Um, but John Stott said uh, something that really uh, stands out to me when it comes to evangelism. He said evangelism is living contact with God and living contact with people. Mm. And um, and I think that idea frees us up a little bit as we think about evangelism. What does it look like to me engage, engaged with God uh, and, and the story that I've received uh, and then be engaged with people in such a way where I'm just sharing what's important to me? I had a mentor in my life say that our job as Christians is to spend time with Jesus and to rub off on people. Mm. And I like the simplicity of that statement. Um, it, uh, it kind of boils it down in such a way that makes me think I can do that, um, which is hopeful. And, you know, we could talk a a little bit about, um, what the good news is. Um, and I guess I'll touch on that just quickly if that's okay. And if you've got any follow-ups, you can, Mm -hmm. um, you can ask them, but I'll end with this, I guess, unless you've got follow-ups about it. But when I think of the good news, what is this good news we're sharing? We share it a lot of times in the form of a story, creation, mm-hmm. fall, redemption, consummation. Um, but I think about it as good news in three ways. And the theological terms, uh, the three theological terms are justification, sanctification, and glorification. What that basically means is that with justification, um, evangelism is good news that we are made right with God. Um, that we can rest mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. And if we believe in him, then we are completely righteous in God's sight. And that leads to, to great rest. And so that's good news. Yeah. People need to hear the news that you can rest. You don't have to work. It's not up to you. It's up to somebody else who did the work for you. Um, the second uh, idea uh, or term, sanctification, uh, basically um, leads us to say that the gospel is good news that your life can change mm-hmm. um, or your life can be renewed. Um, and this is good news for folks because uh, I don't care who you talk to. I think everybody can identify certain aspects of their life that they wish were different. Yeah. And we've got a message that Jesus and the Holy Spirit working inside of your heart can change you in a way that brings more joy and wholeness and flourishing to your life. And that's a good message to be taking to folks. It's an exciting message. And then lastly, the term um, glorification. Uh, We think of the gospel as good news of a new world coming. Uh, Another word for that could be restoration. The gospel isn't just a wonderful plan for my life or Mm -hmm. your life. It's a wonderful plan for the entire world. And so uh, we can always touch on that aspect of things as we talk to our friends and neighbors about how good the gospel is, that there will come a day where death will be no more, where God will wipe away all tears from our eyes, where he will make all things new and we'll experience him and one another with great joy uh, and great um, relational flourishing. Uh, And that's an exciting prospect um, because I think that our world 
you know, so broken uh, that when we hear the possibility of that actually happening, I think it piques pe- people's interest. It does. And I think it's a, a tremendous honor and a blessing that God uses people like me and people like you and, and, you know, just regular folks to, to share his message of renewal for the entirety of creation yeah. to other people. Like God doesn't need us to do these things. Um, he could probably do it better without us. Yeah. I don't know the theological significance of what I just said there, but, um, well, I've, I heard it's interesting you say that because it, it reminds me of something that my pastor growing up told me. He's like, I can't believe that God uses us. He could have sent angels yeah. to proclaim this message and it would have been maybe much more effective and believable, and he could have just gotten the job done. But for some reason, he chooses to use sinful, broken people uh, that have been redeemed by him to move out and share that offer of redemption Mm -hmm. with others. I love how D.T. Niles, a pastor, put it when he said, uh, evangelism is one broken beggar telling other broken beggars where they found bread. Yeah. And um, that's another um, beautiful way to think about what we're doing when we're engaged in evangelism. Absolutely. That's one of the great mysteries to me, at least, about God is is why he chooses to spread his message this way. And mm. I think it's just, you know, we have to kind of look look ourselves in the mirror and, and kind of just be honored that we're called to be a part of this and and then kind of get a little bit of a sense of, ur- of urgency to sure. know, get after it. And some of it is not just for our neighbors, but you wonder how God uses us and, and it's for us yeah. and our growth and our encouragement. And I think evangelism is one of those topics, and we can talk a little bit more about it next week, that is scary, that's intimidating. It's easy to talk about it, but hard to do it. Yeah, definitely. And as we engage in it, I think that God is just as concerned with what's happening in our own hearts Mm -hmm. and life uh, as he is with those that we're sharing the message with. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. Next week, we're going to be talking about the how of evangelism. How do we do this thing and share the gospel with our friends and neighbors? That's a topic that might take two weeks. We'll kind of see uh, when we get into it, Uh, but we hope you tune in next week. As always, we want to take time to answer your questions. So if you have questions about the Sunday sermon or about Christianity in general, please send those in. We'd love to take a few minutes at the beginning of a podcast and try to offer a response to those questions. If you have questions about evangelism specifically, either sort of the theological nuances behind it or just the practicalities of, of how we engage in this. Send those in as well, and and we'll take a whole podcast at the end of this little mini-series to devote some time to those questions. You can always send those questions to michael at trinitygracesa.org, or you can text them anonymously to 210-920-0783. Until next time, this has been TGC Midweek. We'll see you later.